0: Hello, y'all. This is Aisha, and I have a real treat for our Represent listeners who love our pre-woke watching segment. We partnered with Slate's video team to bring visuals to these conversations, and the first in this new series launched last week. We'd love to hear what you think, so just click the link in the show notes to watch. And in honor of this video series launching, we thought we'd walk down memory lane by rerunning three very different pre-woke conversations, starting with the very first one. Take a listen. I'm very excited today because we are going to introduce to you all a brand new segment for Represent, which we like to call pre-woke watching and coming from behind the the glass wall. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Coming from behind the glass wall in the Panoply Studios in Brooklyn uh, is my producer, Marilyn Williams. Hello. <laughs> That's <to> fine. No. <laughs> Hi, Aisha. Wow, you're bringing a, a whole new element I'm to this. i <laughs> I like it. I like it. So yes, yeah, she's, she's the person I'm always shouting out at, at the end of each episode. She's the one who makes me sound good. And we're going to kick off this segment because... I don't even remember how we came up with this. I
3: think it came because of Crash. We were interviewing Paul Haggis. <laughs> remember that, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I remember we were gonna we, we before every show, Aisha and I like watched the media that whatever it's a TV show or a film, and you
0: know, in order to prep for it, for in the order episode. to prep
3: for the episode and Aisha for the interview, and I was like, oh, I remember really liking crash i think my hesitation was just more like i just i just know that paul haggis's record and talking to black people has was not very like good so that was more my hesitation but my hesitation had nothing to do with the actual movie because i
0: just remember like you saw it when it first came out right yeah, i
3: saw it in the theaters okay yeah just think about the average like Black Power teenager Marilyn, that was me, <laughs> and so I went to go see it, and I just thought it was the best thing. So it sliced bread, like I just all my memories of it was like it was a powerful movie.
0: I have to admit that I felt the same way as well. I, I remember really liking it when I saw it in high school.
3: I cried. I don't know if I cried. Like, I definitely. I mean cry. remember crying, <laughs> and also also like ludicrous was a big deal at the time. Like let's not even ludicrous, <laughs> and you know talking about pre woke, right. <laughs> There's a whole lot there.
0: Hey, Luda's fun still. I st-
3: I, I different a- girls in different area codes. That song s- I can't listen to it the same way anymore. Uh, I got hoes. I mean, you know, in different area.
0: Really. I, I can't cut out everything. <laughs> right, I find you're you right. <laughs> <laughs> come on now. I mean, he's That's got true. some good. He's got some still still fire. Tracks. I mean,
3: it's yes. It still like tugs at my like memory heartstrings. But you know, so. Luda was a big deal. It was a big, to me, like Tandy Newton, like they just had some people in there where I was just like, wow, this is such a compelling, powerful scene. At the time, black people in movies and television in general was a rarity <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like just seeing that on a level that didn't feel like it was a quote unquote black movie. Right. That was that all made it like something that was very memorable. Rewind to 2016. <laughs> and I watched it one morning and I just, I felt like it was punishment. Like I turned it on i and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have an easy morning. I'm going to watch it and make breakfast. And I was watching it and I was just like, this is a bad movie. Like, not only, mm. like right from that, <laughs> the first scene when, you know, Luda and what's the, I forget his Lorenz name. Lorenz Tate. Luda and Lorenz Tate yeah. and they're walking. And they're, like, having this, like, super Hotep conversation, right?
0: And then... <laughs> super Hotep.
3: <laughs> and then, um, and for those that don't know, Hotep means, like, black man. Like, I don't know. How would you explain Hotep? To Nate someone? Parker? Nate
0: Parker, <laughs> I guess. Mm. I mean, that's the most, like... Said a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying that's the most relevant thing I can think of.
3: Yeah, like anyone that will be like my sister, like anyone that starts a conversation with my sister, my sister, <laughs> they're going down a whole tab road, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. So, and then they have that scene where they're just like... We're the only two black faces surrounded by a sea of over-caffeinated white people patrolled by the trigger-happy LAPD. So you tell me, why aren't we scared? Because we got guns.
2: You could be right. give me the key. Okay. Come on, hurry okay. up. Okay,
3: okay, okay. okay. Get out. out. No, no. And
0: then Right, and it's supposed to be like a funny, like haha. Ha. And
3: that's when it went all all went down from there. So
0: that's when you realized that you had had a a pre woke like moment with that movie when you first saw it. Yeah,
3: because I think when I first saw it, I probably thought it was like deep. Yeah, like I thought maybe them even talking about race or even acknowledging race. Was on some level important, <laughs> um, and I think watching it back, I see that they really he he didn't there wasn't much effort. It was just like let's just bring it up a very surface level. Yeah, and I think in that conversation with him, like my walk away was that he wasn't making it for woke people. Like he wasn't really he wasn't making it for anyone that had any real deep analysis of intersexuality or race. He was making it for. Hit, to quote him, his liberal white friends, yeah, that thought that they were doing that they didn't have these biases, but then they watched that, and then maybe they saw something in them, maybe. But maybe. if that, why, why are they your friends? <laughs> 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 Let's talk about that. <laughs> 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 like it just, yeah,
0: yeah. So that's your, that's one of your. I mean, we could, we all have so oh many. My God, yeah, I mean, mine. So we had this conversation as well mm-hmm. where recently my boyfriend and I we it was like I think it was Sunday and we were doing our usual, you know, Sunday afternoon board game night. And we were like, we need to put something on the background, something that like doesn't require any like full on thought attention. attention. And so we were flipping through Netflix, which as I'm sure most people know, can take hours before you actually set on something and then we're like, Oh, scary movie two came up and I was like I remember, like, really finding this hilarious in high school and all my friends quoting it all the time. Let's just put it on the background. It's stupid, but whatever. We start watching it. I mean, this doesn't necessarily have to be, be do with... I mean, I guess it is being pre-woke in the sense of not even having refined refined taste in comedy because it was just not... Like, looking back on it now, it's the most sophomoric humor you could possibly think of. And, I mean, the Wayans brothers the in family in general is they tend to like indulge in lowbrow humor like even watching in loving color which is another thing we could talk about like oh. that show has not aged I well I can't even watch
3: it again because I don't want to I don't want to ruin the memory
0: I yeah it does it, I've watched it in my 20s and it does has not aged well but yeah so the movie's just not it's that I will say <laughs> I do still for some reason find what is her name Regina Hall
3: is she the one that's
0: um, uh, she plays uh, Brenda in the scary movie movies and I just I don't know she plays the stereotypical black woman in every way shape or form but I still just think she's really funny in the movie even 20 like however many years later it's been but there's this one scene in it and I think this is as far as we got before we turned it off, and it was pretty far. But <laughs> there's this one scene where Tori Spelling is asleep in her bed, and from 91210. was she ever in 912? She's the daughter of Aaron Spelling. Who's yeah, yeah, yeah. So she wasn't. I don't. Yeah, huh? I don't know. I. I, I yeah, I
3: know. she was the virgin on 91210.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> With Tori Spelling, <laughs> I I mostly know her because now she's just like a cultural punching bag or whatever. She's gotten had it has a lot of issues but yeah so she's in her bed sleeping and the door opens and there's a ghost and you're, like you can't see the ghost but you see the door opening and he's like making like grunting noises and then she he like starts to like fondle her and she's like asleep she doesn't notice and then she Berlin's face is like oh my god <laughs> and then at, at then she he eventually this ghost who we still can't see we never see the ghost like she he puts his his dick in her mouth and she like suddenly wakes up and she's like at first she's like whoa what's going on and then she like starts to enjoy it and then it turns into him like humping her and she like winds up on the wall like it's ridiculous like he winds up like humping her and they like wind up going upside down on the wall because it's like a weird movie and I was like this would not fly in 2016 there would be 8 million think pieces pieces about (laughs) about how they're making this like what is is a rape essentially Mm. into this humorous moment where the woman like is like oh actually i'm really into this and she can't even see it's a it's a ghost you can't see like <sighs> there's so and that, that's when i it's was so like problematic. wow i can't believe i okay so you know, i know
3: people are listening to this and they're just like y'all need to relax stop being so sensitive like there is like a, at least a portion of the audience i'm sure this right now yes and so i guess like as we're going through this segment and like we said it's gonna be a future segment like I guess my question in thinking about this is how far down the rabbit hole do we want to go? Well, I, th-
0: I think I think the thing is, is that, you know, part of it is that we are older and wiser, I hope, now. And so there are certain things that especially and especially with the times changing now, there are certain things we think about. I mean, to bring if we want to bring it back to Nate Parker, the idea of consent and what consent means. And we've changed the public as a whole is changing and evolving on what consent really means. And I think we're, we're moving beyond just no means no in that sense. And I think also with movies and TV shows, we're moving beyond like what's okay to show on TV and film. And, and the thing is, is that especially for millennials like us, I feel like we're experiencing one of the greatest changes in, in terms of that and what we've consumed mm-hmm. because, you know, kids growing up today now – I think they have a like they have way more awareness at a younger age than we did. Mm-hmm. In part because there's, shout out to all the tumblers, yeah. And you know, and and believe me, there's certain like there's certain lines I won't cross. Like I definitely, I I'm this is a whole another debate, but I I fall on the I'm not I'm definitely not one of those people who is fully championing, championing the idea of like um, censorship at schools mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that we can have a whole conversation yeah, about so, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That gets a little touchy, but I think. I think the whole point of this is to question like what we're watching and we can even enjoy like I there's still things that I enjoy you know like Breakfast at Tiffany's I love that movie we cannot forgive the fact that Mickey Rooney is in yellow face playing a character who just like yells around it's the blatant stereotype and I mean I still like the movie I just hate his part um, when I saw it when I was younger, I don't think I really thought any, I don't even think I knew it was Mickey Rooney. I just assumed. And also
3: you probably didn't have the language for a yellow face, you know? Definitely not. You, yeah, we don't, we didn't have these, these terms that we have now. Yeah. I mean, one movie that I loved, like I know all the words to Soul Food, right? <laughs> so, I,
0: every time I hear Soul Food, I think of that <laughs> hilarious line from Boondocks.
3: Soul Food is a movie about a big humongous black grandmother, aptly named Big Mom. Big Mama demonstrates her love by feeding herself and her offspring enormous amounts of kid lock. Then, she dies of a heart attack. Or another stroke. Or something.
2: God, God. <laughs>
0: but That's like... That's, I'm sorry. That's that's what I think of whenever I think of soul food.
3: But, I mean, the way that they treated the cousin after... I don't know if you remember, but there's a scene where the cousin cheats on with um, Vanessa Williams' character. Mm. Uh, Faith. When Faith... I could curse. It's weird being on this side. When she's like, Faith, you know, I trust the family. And you know what? The family fucked my husband. <laughs> yes, that's right. Faith fucked my husband. And I remember, like, always, every time I've watched that, I've always just been like, Faith is such a hoe. Like, can't believe she did that. But in, now that I'm, like, 30... And I think about that, I'm like, but why did everyone attack Faith? Like, her husband definitely had a lot to do with that. Thank
0: you. I hate when that happens. Oh,
3: my God. So, I mean, I think like wokeness can be on a lot of different
0: levels. Mm -hmm.
3: And to your point, I could still watch soul food and enjoy it, but have a deeper analysis of what they're actually, what messages they're actually sending us.
0: Right. Essentially, we're just looking at the things that we once loved and or like watch without ever questioning and going back and saying
3: that's kind of screwed up that was that was th- th- oh. something about this how about my husband fucked faith
0: <laughs> right exactly exactly <laughs> how about you know it yeah, takes two it takes two but really you should be mad at your husband and not her yeah. anyway so yeah well this new segment will be interviewing different people about their pre-woke watching experiences things that they once really loved or appreciated and then just realized, huh, there's a lot fucked up with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I can't wait. Joining me from the DC studio is my colleague, A.C. Valdez. He is a senior producer at Panoply. So, A.C., what is your pre wok watching experience? Uh, cultural nugget you have
2: for us today are you ready to ruin some childhoods I mean it's, that's uh, partially what pre look <laughs> is, is
0: I, I'm hoping that a lot of these movies that we talk about are from our childhoods and not from like a year ago <laughs> but you know yeah yeah no,
2: it's uh it's the jungle book the cartoon version from 1967
0: good choice I do love that movie yeah. but we all know that movie has some problems. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. The thing is, the music is so catchy. The reason, like, it popped to mind was uh, when when you all asked me to be on with you, uh, I was in a car on the way back from West Virginia, and I was playing a playlist of like kind of cartoony songs, just like because we were in kind of a dreary mood. And uh, I want to be like you came on the monkey song. Mm-hmm. It had never really struck me. Until my friend, who was also in the car, pointed it out just how many subtle racist implications the song really has.
0: Yes. When was the first time you saw it and what made you love it so much? I mean,
2: I was probably a little kid, so I don't remember exactly the first time I saw it, but I do remember watching it a whole bunch as a kid. And um, I do think the fact that it was so well animated and the colors were wonderful and everybody loves the idea of being friends with animals and. Uh, I loved all of that kind of thing. Um, you know, you wanna you wanna play like you're a jungle boy sometimes when you're when you're a little nine year old or eight year old or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music is so good. I it mean, really that's kind is. of the thing that breaks my heart about it. Is like, I want to be like you is just a fantastically written song. Yeah.
1: Now I'm the king of the swingers, oh the jungle VIP. I have reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man, man cub, and stroll right into town.
0: I mean, the song like in the itself, just to set it up a bit, I'm King Louis, the orangutan, played by Louis Prima, Prima he wants oh, to I know want to like the secret you. to fire. I'll and Mowgli, being the only man or human around, it gets kind of wrapped up into this musical, into this
1: musical number. And they me to be human too.
2: There's
0: a lot of implications to be made with this song. Uh, The the fact that the lyrics are like, "I want to be like you" kind of implies, and in the in the history of black people specifically being considered close to apes, even though all humans are close to apes. I mean, yeah, close that, apes, that doesn't but, help anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's the biggest, that's the thing that it's been criticized for the most is, is that aspect Well, and then
2: there's it. the notion of like fire and human technology being civilizing and the fact that this takes place. I mean, if you really go back to the Jungle Book, like the Rudyard Kipling mm-hmm. story, I had no idea as a kid just how, what a colonialist he was. And like what kind of metaphors he may or may not have been making with these stories. Like he's adapting these Indian and I think he did some African folktales just for white audiences. And uh, they really do a good subtle job of reinforcing the superiority of the colonizing people.
0: For sure. And of course, they don't teach you these things when you're a child. You just no, watch the Disney no. version of them <laughs> and divorce it completely yeah. from that.
2: And you want to hang out with orangutans, don't mm-hmm.
0: you? <laughs> I I definitely... <laughs> my, my father was very uh, adamant about me never pretending to be a monkey in play or in general. He mm. was like, we're not going to have that. Apparently someone, when I was like one or two years old, an old white lady came, came up to us when we were in the mall or something and she said, um, oh, she's so cute, just like a little monkey. And my dad was like, oh, no, uh, no. <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even think he knew. I don't think he like ever really knew about this song, though. So I, I grew up listening to it all the time and he probably, like, didn't pay any attention to it. So, <laughs> But, yes, that was my own little tidbit of <laughs> being <laughs> my, oh, my association kind of with monkeys. <laughs> yeah.
2: But then you also don't really teach kids, like, who Rudyard Kipling was and why Walt Disney, of all people, would have chosen his uh, books to, to adapt into cartoons.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's Disney has a long history of... Inserting these things into them, like uh, I recently rewatched *Lady and the Tramp*, and you know, of course, oh, yeah. I, you know, there's the the Siamese twin song <laughs> with the mm-hmm. Siamese cats, which is. Uh, so many things wrong with that as well. Yeah. It's, it's it's actually I think it's probably even worse than I want to be like you. It's just blatantly racist. But see, so yeah, I'm yeah. just gonna take all all of my childhood away from me. <laughs> oh, I have another one. From, <laughs> I have another one from Lady in the Tramp that I actually might save for a future pre woke, but it doesn't have to do with race. It has to do with uh, rape, actually. Oh my but anyway, God. <laughs> but easy light on representation. <laughs> That's what we do here. We crush people's childhoods. (laughs) So, A.C., do you think that you you, – will you still bump that song even though you know what it's about?
2: Uh, If I do, I'm going to do it guiltily. I have a friend whose band covers that song, and I don't have it within me to say, dude, have you ever really thought about that song? Just because it's (laughs) – the, the musician to me really, really likes it. The uh social justice part of me really is just it's one of those things where I'm like torn about whether it's it just let it go yeah, and sometimes you just gotta let it go and sometimes you i'm not i'm not gonna I'm not gonna have a kid and play it for them. I'll say that much okay, that's um, fair and there's one there's actually one more song within that movie that I think this is the last time I watched it all the way through. My niece was maybe four, and I had gone out to Illinois to visit my family, and uh, my brother put it on, and my sister-in-law walks into the room right towards the end. I know what you're talking about. I don't know if you know, yeah, I don't (laughs) know know how many people will remember how it ends. But basically, Mowgli is seduced away to the the village by a lovely girl singing this song about uh, traditional gender roles.
1: cooking in the home i must go to fetch the water till the day that i am grown till i'm grown till i'm grown i must go to fetch the water till the day that i am
3: grown
2: it's called my own home and my sister in law was like, We are not watching this again. <laughs> this is not happening in my house and I was like, Okay. Noted.
0: I know the words to every song on that movie because I've listened to them so many times. So yes, I know how terrible <laughs> it is. <laughs> are you sure are you gonna give up this movie? Um, no. I mean, I I I I can't because <laughs> Hey, I know. Beryl, and, <laughs> Beryl my producer is looking at me like outstretched She's hands. rolling her eyes a little bit. <laughs> Please forgive me. No, I mean, here's the thing is that I, because it's, so I'm a big Disney freak, I think, as a lot of listeners may know it by this point. And so I, you know, I grew up listening to them and I grew up with all the soundtracks. And so... Throughout Mm -hmm. my entire life, I've had all the soundtracks. I still have them on my computer and on my iPhone. And so whenever I'm doing work or whenever I'm doing anything in the background, like, I put it on the background because, like, at this point I've heard them all. Like, they just, like, filter in and out. So if it comes on, and it does at some point through the many Disney songs that I have on my playlist, I'm not going to turn it off. Wait, so
2: this is is a random playlist situation, but you wouldn't go out of your way to play it?
0: No, but I I don't go out of the way to play most Disney – like – well, that's not true. Like I will sometimes go through Lion uh-huh. King. I'll go to Lion King and I'm like, I need some Lion King right now. <laughs> but yeah. And you know what? I, I probably will go back and rewatch the movie because yeah, there's a lot of racist parts in it, but there's also just some fun parts. I don't know. I'm not I don't I don't feel guilty guilty. Should I?
2: Man, I totally, I totally feel guilty. Well, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I feel. I will, th- I will take your guilt on myself.
0: <laughs> Look, I, I feel, I feel aware. I'm totally aware, and I know that this is screwed up. And if my, like, I don't have children, I don't plan to, but I do have two younger s- siblings who are seven and uh-huh. eight, and it, that's the kind of thing where, like you said, like I wouldn't play it for my children. If they're watching it, I would probably do a teach. This is a teachy moment, uh, the more you know moment where I'm going to be like, so just so you know, this, this and this about this movie.
2: I think you need to have like a parenting expert on and just be like, what is the right age at which to have the your your movies are kind of messed up conversation with your kids?
0: I mean, my dad made me watch Roots when I was seven. So, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, AC, for coming on and talking about The Jungle Book. I'm glad you're going to take all the weight of the guilt from, from me and put them on your hands. <laughs>
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thank you so
0: much for joining me in the studio today, Dylan. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
1: this is an honor. Oh,
0: it's an honor to have you on. It's I'm very excited for this. And apparently I was the first person to reach out to you about your your video that went viral every single word. Yeah. Which we'll talk about a little bit more. Yeah. But I would love to ask you what is your pre woke watching or what is one of your pre because I'm sure we all have
1: I think many. Everything <laughs> that we want. I know. <laughs> when we were kids. So you mean pre woke before I became woke or
0: Yeah. So so before like you really loved it and but you didn't realize when you first encountered it, whenever it was, whether it was a year ago or when you're a kid, but now you realize oh that's kind of, this is kind of fucked up.
1: Yeah. Well So many things. I mean, like everything. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, what's what's one that just like
0: sticks oh, out Oh I Oh, I have
1: it. I shouldn't have even said a lot of things. I should have just gone for it. <laughs> um, Will and Grace.
0: I was going to add, that was actually going to be one of my questions for yeah. the, this interview we had, um, because I know you tweeted mm-hmm. the other day. Yeah. You said. I will only accept the Will and Grace reboot if it's about Karen's maid Rosario, immigration, and how the crew will stand with her. And so, this was after the, like, right after the immigration ban that Trump put put down. Yeah. So, when did you first encounter Will and Grace, and when did you realize?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I first encountered Will and Grace when I was a kid, hmm. and I wasn't. I was far from out. I was like. Deeply in the closet, so snug that I didn't even know I was in a closet. I mean, I knew I was gay, but I was like, I'll be staying here, you know, <laughs> it's comfortable. <laughs> um, and I loved it. it. You saw gay, and I'm using the word gay, not queer, you saw gay men, cis gay men, normalized. You mm. saw them in on the joke, you saw them delivering the punchlines. Well, what do you think? Too gay? yeah definitely but the shirt's good (laughs) Ah, hold on i got a cramp from not laughing you saw nuance very you know um only dualism you know you only see like there is you could be jack or you could be will yeah um so it's it's not a real spectrum here. <laughs> but there there is at least two. And I thought Jack was so funny. I thought the plots were so funny. I loved Will and Grace's relationship. Karen, of course, is funny. And, you know, the truth is, I stopped watching it probably in the middle of high school just because, you know, all right, great, I've seen it, and yeah. I'm going to move on. And then... I really did not watch any reruns until they came out with that special election episode.
0: Oh, so this was like November, yeah.
1: A few months ago. I mean, this is like of course in my mind I was always pretty aware that Willing Grace was very white. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Willing Grace was very white and Rosario, the maid, Karen's maid, was the butt of jokes. She was really never in on the joke. She might have delivered a zinger, but structurally, if she gets two or three lines per episode, even if they're punchlines, she's not in on the joke. Like, the story is... She's not the star of the story. We're seeing Rosario essentially through Karen's eyes. She's also always in a maid's outfit, which is telling. And sure, that's a funny gag, But there's no other Latina women. There are no other women of color that you can compare her to. Well, there's one exception. They had a big guest on, and it's Jennifer Lopez. But that's a superstar who is a brand that the audience already knows. Right. And when I saw this election special, I was just like, oh my God, Will and Grace is an amazing representation of how unwoke gay people can be. You know? And how like babe, you're not woke if you're opposed to Trump. Like, being opposed to Trump itself does not make you a woke person. <laughs> no, that's just common sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, guys, you y- y- there's an episode around the fact, it built around the idea, the thesis of this episode was Will and Grace cast members in character talk about Donald Trump. But it's like, you gotta go deeper. You gotta, like... How are you implicit in this, you know? um, How many times did you uphold this notion that, like, well, everything's okay if you're gay and you're just, like, a beefy white guy, (laughs) you know? Of course it is. Um, Which is not to downplay the hardships that those men face as well. Yeah, Will and Grace, it was this incredible first step. And now that I hear that there's a reboot coming out, I hope that they've built a staircase on that first step, but judging from the election special, it looks like it is in fact very much that just that first step that they extended into a whole platform. Yeah. Um, and, and Karen
0: um, is now a Trump, su- like apparently she's a Trump supporter. Her Karen character. was
1: always a Trump supporter, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm. But <laughs> But that's great. That is in fact wonderful if they're going going to explore the nuance of that and also to be fair humanize her yeah. because Trump supporters are humans and i think m- so many Trump supporters are inherently good people who i don't know now now i'm saying that out loud i don't know i i just mean to say <laughs> yeah
3: well, I, I mean you see all the tweets now like one person i saw tweeted you know i voted for you Trump but now my wife who's a green card holder yeah you know is crying yeah
0: I just wish I didn't take that. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. There's so there are so many other things I like should have. Yeah.
1: I don't uh, want to be too dreamy. It's just yeah. that I and I definitely do not want to um peddle some um hopey we Hopi are logic world. yeah yeah um but I do want to believe that people are inherently good and that they are led to believe certain things. Yeah, I, I want to know more about people who don't think like I do. If Is Karen the in for that? Like, I don't know. I, I worry. Yeah. I,
0: I agree. Like, it, it it makes logical sense that Karen would be a Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, obviously, we do need to see that representation on screen. But then whose hands is it going to be in? <clears throat> and the question is, like, has have the co-creators like to me it's like trying to bring back sex in the city with the same group of people mm-hmm. and like what has when you go back and watch that show that's
1: a a really another great one that yeah. i'd be like oh that's pre woke right like it's four rich white women yeah
0: and there's so many yeah i mean we could have an entire episode about oh my god yeah you that ask
1: that question again and i'll yeah
0: yeah but I mean, that's the thing is like if you came back with the same creators of this, like every, like the whole team comes back together 10 years after it went off the air, what have they learned? Mm-hmm. That's the, like, right. because when, when the shows went off the air, when Will and Grace went off the air, they this was before we had lots of think pieces about right. stuff happening. Anything. And, and <laughs> anything. Yeah. So, you know, they weren't being called down at it then. And mm-hmm. will they respond to that now? Yeah. And I yeah.
1: wonder if those platforms were around then, if they would have evolved you know? Maybe.
0: Yeah. I don't
1: know. Cross fingers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the past. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again, Dylan. Please, thanks for having me. It was a true pleasure.
0: All right, hope you all enjoyed that pre-woke roundup. Thank you, A. C. Valdez and Dylan Marin for sharing your stories. And listeners, you can hear more from Dylan about the work he's done in episode 36. And again, you can find the link to the first pre-woke video in the show notes. Represent is produced by the lovely, amazing Vera Lynn Williams. Our excellent social media assistant is Marissa Martinelli. And our intro-outro music is performed by the sweet San Francisco funk soul band The Town Social. Until next time...